Good church on a rock. Good morning, Rashad. Amen. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock. We do that every morning. So it's not just a like Sunday Easter thing. This is a every Sunday for us. We like to scream, good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad. Let me know that you're here with me, that you're vibing with me, that you're excited about God's word, and that you're here for the right reason. So when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, I want to know that you're flowing with me. I want to know that you're excited about God's word, that you're excited about God's worship, and we can get into the scriptures. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad. Woo, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's about game time, right? All right. So um, I need to bring you, like, no, that's it. Everybody go home, all right? <laughs> I want to bring you up to speed in case you weren't here last week. We're walking through the final chapter of Luke. Um, uh, it's called A Walk to Remember. And I want you to, like, go back with me to where we were last week so you understand why we're where we're at this week. So imagine this. Just kind of just flow with me right quick. Kind of go back to Jerusalem with me right quick. Imagine you have given up your job, walked away from everything you know. You're standing outside of Jerusalem, and here comes Jesus the Nazarene, trotting on his colt. You and everybody in this room is saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest, meaning we beg you to deliver us. We beg you to save us. This is the Messiah. This is the one who is going to come and conquer the oppression that we're going through. This is the one who's going to come and defeat all the problems that are in our lives. This is the one that is going to make this earth that we hate comfortable. He's going to make everything better. Hosanna to the highest. And then days later, he's crucified on the cross. And I want you to remember the word there crucified, right? Not died. People die from diabetes. People die in a car accident. People die of natural causes. He was crucified. He was murdered, right? He was killed, right? Think about it that way. So, so, so hold on. I just left everything for him. I was fishing, minding my own business. He came along and said, follow me, right? I was, I was over here in my home with my lady, and, and I'm going to give this up and follow him for three. I've given up everything I know. Matter of fact, let me just tell you from my perspective, right? I gave up my job making $100,000 a year for what I'm doing right now. I gave up all the pleasures of the world, being able to watch what I want and drink what I want and take pills of what I want and everything I want to do to follow him. And you're telling me this man was killed by men? Just, just men, just Romans, just dudes with little sandals, they killed him? <laughs> right? And anybody seen Black Panther? Anybody seen Black Panther? All right, y'all remember the part when, when Killmonger kills T'Challa and he says, is this your king? Right? Like, this is what it feels like. I've given up everything for Christ. And he's dead? He's dead. Imagine how that would feel if you don't know about Sunday, Right? Imagine how that would hit you, how that would weigh on your shoulders. You've given up everything for this, for this person, this Messiah, this Son of God, this deity. And he was crucified, crucified, killed, murdered, didn't do nothing about it, didn't even put up a fight. 
And this is what you put your faith in. Can you imagine how you would feel on Sunday morning when even as you're thinking, well, he did say three days later, but you ain't seen him, and you've heard some reports, some women went to the tomb, he wasn't in the tomb, but they didn't see him. Peter, John, ran, to, those are your homeboys, they ran, and they haven't seen him either. He wasn't there, he wasn't in the tomb, but we still haven't seen him. So it doesn't mean nothing. So now my hope all of my hope, all of my dreams of what he was going to do, how he was going to conquer, how my life was about to change because of this man that I gave up my life for, all of it's been destroyed. Now doubts start raising up, fears, anxieties, and I'm waiting around a little bit, but nothing has changed. Still just a dead Messiah, a dead Savior who ain't done nothing that I thought he was going to do. So me and my boy, we about to take a walk back home, away from Jerusalem, away from the cross, away from Jesus himself. Why? Because everything we expected of him failed us. This Messiah has forsaken us. And while we're walking on this path back to this place called Emmaus, this two-and-a-half, three-hour walk, this stranger has the nerve to come interrupt our conversation and ask us, what are we talking about? Brother, if you've been anywhere near Jerusalem, everybody knows that there's this man named Jesus, the Nazarene, who walked on water, who fed 5,000. He gave us all this proof that he was the son of God, that he could do the impossible. He, he fed the 5,000, walked on water. Everything he taught was amazing. He had favor with God. He had favor with man. Everybody loved him, but he's dead. That's what we're talking about, bro. So the stranger, which just happens to be Jesus, if you haven't read this story, the stranger says, well, tell me, like, tell me more. Like, why are you upset about this? Well, we thought he was going to be the one that conquered all the things that we're going through right now. The oppression, the Roman oppression, the government that is striking us down, he's supposed to be the one to conquer it, and he's dead. It has been three days, and we still haven't seen him. So we're going home. We're going home. Why? Because all of this is fake. All of this was made up. None of it is real. Has anybody been on that road before? Has anybody been hurting so bad as a Christian, as a non-believer, that you are walking that road going back to, the, to where you came from? Walking away from the cross, walking away from Jesus, walking away from the resurrection because you just can't believe in it when life is going the way it is. This is where we open our scripture today because now Jesus has allowed you to speak. And, and, and Christians, think about that real quick. Don't just always interrupt people's problems with your answers. Let them speak their hearts. Jesus allowed them to speak their hearts, right? And then he responded. And that's where we open up in Luke 24, 25. This is a walk to remember. So in Luke 24, 25, it says this right here. And he, he being Jesus, said to them, O foolish man, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. 
So Jesus is, 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 once again, he's a stranger. The scriptures don't tell us why necessarily they didn't know it was Jesus. It tells us in, in Mark that his form was different, so maybe that's a supernatural thing. There's also, you can, you can use your sanctified imagination and say to yourself, when you're in sorrow, sometimes you don't see straight, right? When you're hurting, when you've lost something, sometimes you don't see things the way they are because of the sorrow that you're going through, right? But all, all we know is that they didn't recognize this stranger for who he was, for, for being Jesus, okay? That's all we know. I don't want to add to the scriptures. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. And I want to give you three main reasons that we are slow of heart. So what Jesus is about to do is give the proof of everything going on. A walk to remember the proof. I mean, from here to Jason Cervizi's house in Pittsburgh, if you, if you take the B&O trail out here, go all the way down to the end, it's a long walk, and cut all the way over to Jason, Pastor Jason Cervizi's house, that's about seven and a half miles. That's how long this walk would have been. And they weren't doing it for time, so it would have been about a two and a half, three hour walk. So Jesus is like, I'm going to redeem this time. I'm going to take these two and a half hours, and I'm going to show you the proof of everything that was going on. So I'm going to take this walk so that you can remember the proof. This is what makes people slow of heart to believe. It starts with our understanding. Our understanding. Go back to Luke 20, uh, 24, 25 for me, Leah. He said to them, O foolish men, the Greek there for the word foolish, the Greek there for the word foolish is without understanding, okay? O man without understanding. Jewish culture, they would have grown up Learning the scriptures, like the same way we know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and one plus one is three, two, two. <laughs> one plus one. I didn't do that the first service. I was a mistake, all right? I got it right the first service. I've been thinking about it all day. No, <laughs> no, no. But the same way that those elementary things or things, we, the scriptures were the same way for them. They would have known scripture front to back. So Jesus has an expectation of the scripture. Hey, you, you without understanding, you know this. There's proof. You know the proof. You know the Old Testament. This is, this is what you read your entire childhood growing up. Why, why are you slow of heart to believe? Because of your understanding. You see, this is the beautiful thing about Christianity. It's not a dumb and blind faith. Any pastor that wants you to believe just because he said to believe is foolish. I don't want you to believe because of what I'm saying. I want you to believe because it's an intelligent and evident faith. The proof is in the scriptures. The proof is in your life. If you just read it, you'll see it's playing out day by day. Right? So he says, you, uh, uh, without understanding, like, you're slow of heart to believe, and that's how we are. It's our understanding. I, I, I worked out, uh, so every, every Friday, there's this guy. He's not here today. He was here first service, but he's over our sound and media. His name is Brent Foster. Awesome guy. We have discipleship every Friday morning or every other Friday morning at 6 o'clock. And this past Friday was one of those mornings. So I went to the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning. Don't ask why. And I'm lifting and doing my thing because I'm trying to burn calories so I can eat a lot at flapjacks. It's just how I work out. <laughs> all right. Stay with me here. Stay with me, all right? So, so here we go. So, so at 5.30, my workout is not done, okay? My workout's not done. So I text Brent, can we do 6.30 dot, dot, dot at the gym, right? Like I'm at the gym. I'm running late. Can we do 6.30? You know, can we meet at Flapjacks at 6.30? He sends a thumbs up and says, what gym? I'm like, who cares? Like, just be at Flapjacks at 6.30. Who cares what gym I'm at, right? But I'm like, hey, sure, whatever. Um, I'm at Planet. Maybe he just wants to know how far away I am so he can gauge the time. That makes sense. Okay. And he sends another thumbs up. 
I finished my workout. I get to Flapjacks, which is a restaurant for those of you who don't know. So it's a little breakfast restaurant over here. I get to Flapjacks, and when I pull up, it says pulling in. And I was like, okay, well, he should already be here. So I go to our normal spot, and I'm like, here. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so then I call him, right? And I'm like, bro, I'm here. Like, why are you still in the parking lot? Like, what's going on? He goes, I'm here too. Where are you? I'm in Planet Fitness. I'm like, why are you in Planet Fitness? It said, can we do 6.30 dot dot at the gym? Oh. Oh. Uh, nah, bro. I meant like I'm at the gym. Can you meet me at 6.30? But, but, so because he had a wrong interpretation of the text. <laughs> Because he had a misunderstanding of the text, a wrong interpretation of the text, and didn't understand what the author wanted him to do, didn't understand where the author wanted him to be, he ended up going the wrong direction, ended up at the wrong location, at the wrong time, and wanted to blame me. Uh-oh. So we're slow at heart to believe because of our understanding. We have a wrong understanding of the text. We have wrong information from the text, and then we want to blame God, right? We read the scriptures, and this is what they did. They read the scriptures and had a wrong understanding, a false understanding, so it led to a wrong expectation. That's the, that's the second reason that we're slow of heart. We have a wrong expectation. Earlier in the text, in Luke 24, 21, what we see is this. They said to the stranger, which is Jesus, we were hoping or expecting with confidence, we were expecting that it was he, Jesus, the one that just died, who was going to redeem Israel. Well, he was going to redeem Israel, but we thought that means no taxes, mansions, Lamborghini, well, horse Lamborghinis or whatever, I don't know, <laughs> right? We, we thought we was about to be balling and shot calling, like it was our time, our time, and none of that has happened. That was your expectation, not the scriptures. So now you're slow of heart to believe. Now you're walking on the road to Emmaus. Now you're walking away from the cross. Why? Because it didn't match your expectations. And finally, our feelings. So, so, so a wrong information, false teaching leads to wrong expectation, and that leads to hurt feelings, unnecessarily hurt feelings. Why? So, so, a lot of us are slow to believe because it hurts our feelings. Here's the truth. Yeah, well, that hurts. If that's real, then I don't want to believe it because that hurts. I never I, I love wrestling. Any wrestling fans in here? Y'all whack. Okay, whatever. All right. <laughs> I love wrestling. I was an Ultimate Warrior fan. Ultimate Warrior, right? Like, that was me. I'd run, I'm eight years old. Ultimate Warrior. I'd paint my face and everything, right? Like, I was in that thing. But check this out. One, one WrestleMania, he had to go against Hulk Hogan. And when he had to go against Hulk Hogan, there were two belts on the line. And he won. And I cried. And I was like, Mama, Ultimate Warrior won. Daddy, Ultimate Warrior won. He won both belts. It's the first time it ever happened. Yada, 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 yada. And my mom goes, you know that's not real, right? <laughs> what, you, what you mean this ain't real? Man, they've been fighting for like six months, and I gave her all the background and the details. I knew everything. And every day she goes, look at this magazine. It's like a little teen magazine. They just did an interview together, Rashad. They love each other. Like, they're best friends. 
the proof was right there, right? The text said it. They, it literally, I think it literally said they were, have been lifetime friends type of thing, right? They're workout buddies. I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. Why? Because that would hurt, right? That would hurt. Now think about yourself. Think about yourself. When I tell you things, you come to me, maybe you're struggling in your marriage, and I'm like, stick it out. Nope, nope. Well, the Bible says stick it out. Nope, nope. Why? That hurts. When I tell you, give up the porn, give up the, give up the alcohol, give up the pills. Nope, nope. Well, the Bible says don't be addicted. Nope, nope. Why? Because that hurts. When I tell you suffering's just a part of life, it's a part of the plan and the purpose, and we're about to get there. I'm going to slow down. But you look at me, and you're like, nope, nope. Why? Because it hurts. You're slow of heart to believe the proof, the actual proof that is there. A wrong understanding leads to a wrong expectation, which leads to an unnecessary pain. This is where they're at. They're walking away because they had an incorrect understanding of the proof. So Jesus is like, let me take this walk with you. Let me take this time with you to show you what? All, go back to my uh, text, 24:25 to show you all that the prophets have spoken. And we see this in the New Testament as well, right? He's talking about the Old Testament because that's all they would have had in his context. But for us, we know this too. 1 Peter 1, look what it says in 1 Peter 1. It goes on to say, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that will come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Keep going. And it says this. It's, next verse. Not there? Not there? I'm sorry. There it is. Okay. Seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he, the spirit of Christ, predicted within them the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. In other words, everything about what was going to happen to Christ was predicted. There was proof of it. Jesus is looking at them and saying, you should know this just by what the scriptures that you say you study all the time say. The proof is right there. Why are you down? Why are you upset? And even Jesus himself in John 5, in John 5, uh, verses, I believe, 45 to 47, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you set your hope. You set your hope in the Scripture, so Moses is the one who accuses you. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me. Why? Because he wrote about me. All that stuff you put your faith in in the Bible, it's about me. It's about Christ. It's about me. So I'm not the one accusing you. Moses, the one you put your hope in, he wrote about me. He goes on and he says, uh, keep going. He, he said, oh, yeah, but if you do not believe Moses' writings or his writings, how would you believe my words? Like, think about that. You don't even believe Moses' writings and his writings are about me. So no wonder you're on this road to Emmaus. You're not going to believe my words. So then he goes to the next verse. Uh, so, so in one of the verses of the conversation, so he says, you foolish without understanding, right? Slow of heart to believe men who don't believe all that the prophets have spoken in the Bible that you have access to, that I have access to, that we have access to today. He goes on and he says this. This is where it starts getting real good. John, uh, excuse me, Luke 20, 24, 20, wherever the next verse is, 26. He says, was it not necessary? Stop right there. Was it not necessary? This word in the Greek means it had to happen. There's no other way. The thing that you're walking away from the cross for, the thing that you're walking away from Jerusalem for, the, the thing that has you walking away from Jesus right now in your walk, Christ says it had to happen this way. 
That's what the word necessary means, right? It, it, there's no other way. Another illustration from Marvel, okay? Dr. Strange said there's no other way. Spoiler alert, sorry. Okay, whatever. All right, so, so here we are, here we are. Jesus says there's no other way. In other words, he wanted to remind them or wanted them to remember the price. So he didn't just take a walk to help them remember the proof. He wanted them to remember the price. What price, Rashad? That sin has a price and it's called death. All right? Your sin, you're not getting off on good credit. One sin. Well, Rashad, I've only sinned once, liar. But anyway, that's a sin in itself, right? But, but your sin requires death, period. And everything in the Old Testament shows this. There's a price that has to be paid for sin. It is death, and it has to happen that way. So this became his way of redeeming us. Remember, he said we thought he was going to redeem Israel. Redemption, to redeem something, you have to pay something. I have Avengers tickets for next Friday. Amen? Amen? <laughs> they clapped in the first service. Y'all just hating. I get it. Hate away. I don't care. I'm still going. So look at this. Look at this. I have tickets for the 1030 showing to Avengers on Friday morning. I don't like going at night because it's too crowded. All right? I didn't pay for those tickets. In other words, yeah, what? Exactly. It was free. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I have access to the benefits of some some Avengers tickets, but somebody had to redeem it. <laughs> somebody had to pay that price. A church member here paid the price, full price, paid in full for those tickets and gave them to me. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, favor? <laughs> right? Because I didn't do nothing. Petey, I didn't do nothing for these tickets. I'm not special. I, matter of fact, I don't think they like hugging me because I sweat so much. At the, at the, you know, there's nothing I've done for this. Right? But he, she, whatever, paid the price for these tickets so that I, if I just receive them, if I just accept them, can share the benefit of watching Endgame this Friday. Somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to redeem. Redeem in the Greek literally means to release the ransom through the required payment. That's what it means. So, so it was necessary that Jesus had to die if you were hoping for a Messiah who would redeem you. But you were looking for earthly redemption. He was worried about your eternal redemption. You see the difference in that? It was necessary for it had to happen for the price, but also for the prophecy. Here's the thing. Deuteronomy 18.22 says this. I want you to see this real quick. Deuteronomy 18.22 says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord... If the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. In other words, God doesn't miss. So if a prophet speaks and he misses, that ain't from God. So if all the prophets in the Bible speak of Christ dying on the cross and he don't die on the cross, our entire Bible is fake. He has to die. If, if, if like, all right, let's, uh, Mormon, right, the, the Mormon faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, he read James 1, 5, 
He believed, I want more wisdom. He started this thing. He started making predictions, and a whole lot of them missed. That ain't God's prophet. Well, he was shot. He was like five for ten. Don't care. God is ten for ten. He ain't missed. Nothing he has said has missed down to the dot of the I and the cross of the T. It happened exactly the way it had to happen. So it was necessary. It was necessary. The price, the prophecy, it had to happen. So he goes on his walk and he's reminding them, do you not know the scriptures? You can't say you claim these scriptures and then get upset when it happens exactly the way it has to happen. I mean, think about this, right? God so gave the world, I mean, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him away. He gave him to death. Why? So that anyone who would take the redemption, take the release of the ransom, would be saved, would have eternal life, and would not perish. Something had to happen. That's for us. They had the same type of scriptures in the back. It had to happen that way or those prophets are false, right? So think about this in your life right now as you're sitting there walking through whatever you're suffering through, walking on that road to Emmaus and walking away. Think through the scriptures. Maybe you don't know them, but let me just tell you. There are scriptures that say stuff like this. Through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of heaven, Acts 14, 22. Through, through various tribulations, many tribulations. In other words, you're going to suffer, but this is what happens. You see, we call Friday Good Friday. Why? Why? Because we know about Sunday. See, there's nothing good about Jesus Christ being crucified, not dying. There goes the, the nice easy way to swallow it. He died. Or he died. No, he was killed for you. Every time I think about my addiction to porn that I used to have, my addiction to alcohol, cheating on my wife, not being there for my daughter, abusing people verbally, abusing people uh, 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 mentally, and all, all these things I used to do. Every time I think about everything I ever done, I think about how much he suffered for me. Every nail in his head, in his hand, in his feet, every thorn in his head was part of, partly because of me. Because of me, I own that. I own that. I put him on that cross. My sins put him on that cross. Your sins put him on that cross. He was crucified for you. And it had to happen. And we call that Good Friday. We say good. Why? Because we know he was resurrected and he overcame death and we know it had to happen that way. And we know that we benefit from it. It was for us, right? So why is it when Jesus looks at you in the same scriptures that you praise God for and says, hey, if anyone wants to follow me, he will deny himself and take up, not his cross, his crucifixion. His crucifixion. The things that will pierce him and torment him and destroy him. These are the things you're supposed to take up to follow Christ. Suffer to follow Christ. Why? Because there's glory on the other side because there's a Sunday. But the question is, do you believe in your Sunday? See, what if I told you to call Good Friday, Good Friday when Christ was on the cross means you need to look at your life while you're here on earth and whatever you go through, call it good. We don't celebrate it like, yes, Lord, thank you. But you know what? I know you're going to use it. Why? Because you use the cross. But this is what happens. If it's not for us or we can't see the benefit for us immediately, we want out. Be real. Be real. When it was Christ, he did it for us, praise God. But when it's us doing it for him, what kind of God? Right? The same God that we've been praising all our lives 
about dying on the cross and saying that was a good thing because the Sunday is the same God we curse under our breath for what we're going through today. Why? Because if it's just for your glory, that's not fair. If it's just for something I can't see or benefit, that's not fair. And God goes, so my son was? My son down on the cross for you was fair? That, that was justice? No, that was an example. That was, ex- it was an example for us. You want to be Christ-like, but all you want is the glory. You don't want none of the suffering. Think about that. So what happens is your expectations is all jacked up and you're ready to walk on the road. This is why I struggle with the pageantry of Easter, right? And the pageantry of Christmas. Because people come in here, and, and not here necessarily, but churches in general, and they put, there's fog machines all of a sudden. There's these lights and this rock concert. People are hiring musicians. They, they don't even pay another preacher to come in. Like, our pastor ain't that good. Let's bring in another pastor. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and all this stuff that they do for Easter Sunday, right? And we're like, yeah, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. And then the next week is back to typical garage church on the rock. And the people come in with this wrong expectation, like, oh, the way y'all celebrated the resurrection, I thought it was important enough to do like that every week. I got people coming to me, man, my cousin, he only come on Easter and Christmas. I'm like, man, how, how often do you invite him? Easter and Christmas. <laughs> right? And it, 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 it's, it's this blown up expectation where you've lost focus. Right? You've you, you messed up the expectation. The, the world is looking at us and saying, Man, y'all only go all out on two days a year, so why do I got to go all out every day? How y'all going to talk about me for not being in church every week when you only invite me twice a year? And then when I come, it's all souped up for no reason, right? That's why I ain't dressing up this year. <laughs> My wife ain't in here. That's only because I said that. <laughs> I didn't say that first service. So look, it, it, uh, uh, it, it, ha- it was necessary. It had to be that way. Go to Luke 24, 26 again. Let's get back into that text so I can keep it moving. So... Was it not net? So the proof showed the price. It was necessary. The proof showed the price for the Christ. That rhymes. Look at that. For the Christ, purpose. He took them on a walk to, rem- to help them remember the purpose. That word Christ, for those of you who may not know, don't feel stupid about this because I felt this way too. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. All right? No. You la- Christians, laugh all you want. That was me. I was like, so his last name was Christ? So, like Joseph Christ, Mary Christ? They're like, no, no. That'd be like saying Rashad Pastor. Pastor's my title. Christ was his title. He was the Messiah. In the Hebrew, anointed one. The anointed one has a purpose. He's anointed for a reason. What was the reason? To pay the price for your life. In other words, it was necessary because of his purpose. He had to pay the price for you because he was the one chosen to pay the price for you. The only one who could do it. It was his purpose. He was the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. This was his purpose, and it happened all according to his plan. But he even talked about this in Luke 19.10. Look at this. Jesus himself shows you. Uh, Luke 19.10. I think it was 19.10. You with me? Flow with me? Are uh, we flowing? There we go. All right. For the Son of Man, Jesus, has come to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. Mark 10.45. This is another one where he says in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, die, a a what? To give his life a ransom. We just talked about that. To redeem many, right? 
a ransom for many. This was his purpose, right? But even if you go all the way back, because remember, they didn't have Cleopas and the, the friend that was walking on this road, they don't have the New Testament. New Testament hasn't been written yet. So everything Jesus is showing them is in the Old Testament. All of y'all that don't like the Old Testament, you're not going to like this. <laughs> but go back to the Old Testament, Genesis 3. Look at this. In the beginning, in the beginning, God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. He says, in between the serpent's seed and her seed, Jesus, Jesus, he shall bruise you on the head. You shall bruise him on the hill. This is predicting Predicting the cross and predicting the resurrection right here. This was his purpose right here. What you see in the bruising of, in the bruising him on the head, you see the redemption purpose. You see the conquering, victorious purpose. And in the bruising of, being, of Jesus being bruised on the hill, you see the, uh, the, the bite, the sting, the little bit of nothing because, oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? You see the cross right there. So this had to happen. But that's, that's Moses. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So there's the Moses part. But then you got the prophets. And real quick, I want to take a quick moment. Hey, run over to uh, Isaiah 53 real quick. I want you to see this. This is a prophet. I want you to see in Isaiah 53. Listen to this. Who has believed our message to whom the Lord has revealed his powerful arm, which is Jesus? My servant, Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us. So he wasn't no movie star looking dude. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Put your name and put yourself as we read this. This is you too. This is not just Israel. This is you too. Keep going. It, it, it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But, we, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep straight away. We've left God's path. We're walking on the road to Emmaus to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us, of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Keep going, Leah. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good, look at this, plan. So not just the purpose of the Messiah, but the plan of the Lord, the plan of God. This was God's good plan to crush him, to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan, good plan, will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. And that's every single one of you in this church. That was the plan. That was the purpose and the plan for the Messiah. And if the prophet said it in the proof, then it had to happen that way.
It had to. So, so as we get here to, towards the end here, um, we, we go to the, the, the scripture again. He's talking, and he's walking them through this. And, and he says, uh, Luke 24, 26 again, he goes and he says this. He says, so look, the necessary price, the purpose for the Christ, the plan for him to suffer these things, and the promise to enter into his glory. The resurrection was the promise. And he had to remind them of that. The verb there, enter, is in a way that the resurrection was him entering into his glory. Tell me something. How, if the resurrection was the glory, the only way to get to a resurrection is to what? It's to die. You can't resurrect something that's not dead, right? So if he had to die so he could be resurrected, if I promise him that he will be shown all glory in the resurrection, then he has to die, right? A seed can't grow until it's what? Planted, right? So, so think about your, like, just logically think about this as you're walking through whatever you're walking through this morning. Because the Bible says in the same way as Christ who suffered, be obedient to your husband even if he's disobedient to the word. Mm. In the same way as Christ, be, live with your wife in an understanding way even when she's getting on your last nerves. Don't exasperate your kids when they're getting on your last nerves. Love your enemy. All these things in your life, why would I have to do any of that? Why would I have to suffer for him? As if he didn't suffer for you. So what happens is the resurrection becomes the preaching of the proof. The preaching of the purpose. And the plan, the price, right? And the promise through the person of Jesus Christ. That's a lot, right? <laughs> Roll with me here. That's what the resurrection does. And I want to close it out with these verses here that just, it brings me so much joy. Leah, give me John 5:39 real quick. I want you to see this because this is how it ties all together. He's talking once again to some, some religious Pharisees or I would say modern day Christians. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Are you ready for this? There's a lot of us in here that know the Bible, know the scriptures front to back. All right? You can, you can quote scriptures like that, bop, 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 bop. If you was on Bible trivia, you'd be the $10,000 winner. Yeah, I know that one. I know that one. I know many books in the Old Testament, New Testament, and all that good stuff. And you know all that because you think in knowing them, you have eternal life. You think because you know the scriptures, you go, I know I'm going to heaven. How do you know you're going to heaven? Because I, I, I didn't memorize the Bible, bro. I'm going to heaven. But this is what he says. <laughs> he says, it is these, these scriptures that testify about me. Me. You can know all the scriptures you want, but if you don't know me, you don't have eternal life. He goes on, he goes on and says in the next verse, give me the next verse, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. These, these, these people, dude, I, I used to be one of them. I couldn't wait to tell you what I knew about the Bible. I'll buy, eat you up. 
I eat you for dinner. Boy, they just, oh, what? I, I got scripture for that. I got scripture for that. I got scripture for that. I would eat you alive with scriptures, but let me go through something. And those same scriptures that I know, I don't know Jesus. So I'm walking away on the road to Emmaus, away from my cross, his cross, his resurrection, the glory that's waiting on him, waiting on me. I'm, I'm walking away from all these things. Why? Because I know a whole lot of stuff, but I don't know him. And let me tell you something. There's two types of no's, right? There's two types of no's. There's a no, like I know what it's like to have a, a baby, right? Like I, I'm a father, my daughter's 16, I know what it's like to have a baby. But my wife knows. <laughs> no, you guys said knows, right? My wife knows what it's like to have a baby, right? I don't know if I could do that, but whatever, all right? We got porta potties, all right? Like, come on. So, so my wife has actually experienced having a baby. A lot of people know Jesus in the Bible, but haven't experienced him. You know when you experience him? When you suffer. The Bible says that even Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Meaning this, how does a God who was there at the beginning obey anything? He knows what obedience is. He requires it, right, Larry? But until he experienced it in the midst of suffering, and what I'm going to tell you is you don't know what obedience is until you obey in the midst of your suffering. When everything's good on Sunday morning, I'm obedient as all get out. But as soon as things start going bad, I'm the most disobedient person I know. And you can roll your head and roll your eyes at me, but if you're being honest, you're the same way, maybe even right now. So look at this. I'm going to close it with this right here. There's this story about this rich man and this guy named Lazarus who sat outside of his house. It's in Luke 16, okay? Read it when you get a chance. And what happens is they, they end up, he treats them badly, but they end up dying. The rich man goes to hell. Lazarus, the poor guy outside of his house, goes to heaven and is in Abraham's bosom, as they call it. The rich man, and I'm just summarizing this, like you got to read it for yourself, don't trust me. But he's, he's burning and he's in hell and he's like, please, if you would just touch the tip of my tongue and cool me off just a little bit because he's in hell, he's burning. And Abraham's like, look, there's a, there's a chasm, 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 I keep working, I'm struggling with that word. There's a chasm <laughs> between hell and heaven. And it, it, it's a barrier. There's something that keeps us apart, and I can't do that. So now, so now, go, go to that, uh, go to that. So now, Abraham goes, uh, uh, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets because the, the rich man is like, please go tell my brothers and the ones, my loved ones who are still alive, right? I got loved ones. I'm in hell, and this is horrible. This is everything it was, and I got loved ones. I got loved ones who can still get out. Go tell them. Like, go do something about it. And Abraham says, hey, go back, go back. Abraham says they have Moses and the prophets, meaning the first five, the remaining of the scriptures. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, the scriptures, right? But look at this. It goes on, and it says, but he said, no, Father Abraham. If someone goes to them from the dead, if they see this miracle, if somebody's raised from the dead, right, then they will repent. Like, no, 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 don't let them depend on the scriptures. If a miracle happens and they're raised from the dead, then they will repent. Look at this. 
Abraham replies to him, go to the next verse. Abraham says to him, uh, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to the word of God, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. You see how important the scriptures are? If you don't believe the scriptures, the resurrection don't mean nothing to you. Jesus could come up out the ground right now and be like, hey, right? And you would be like, nah, because it's not your expectation. Why would he show up at church on a rock? Why would he be black or white or whatever he was, right? You see all these, all these pictures of white Jesus, black Jesus, covered in this and wings and all that. Good. These are all man-made expectations. Read the Bible. Find out for yourself. And, 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 and celebrate today for the reasons that you know to celebrate today, not for the pageantry. I just said, like, instead of teaching your kids how to search for an Easter egg, teach them how to search God's word. Because what's going to happen is this. You ain't going to be around. You'll be long gone. They're going to be 30, struggling maybe through a divorce, through a death, through financial problems, losing a job or something. Something's going to make them feel like God is not there, like Christ is forsaking them, like the Messiah is not real, and they're going to start on that road to Emmaus. And the only thing that can comfort them in that moment is the word of God. So this is, how, this is how the story closes. This is how the story closes. They, they keep walking. They come to their destination. Jesus asks as if he's going to keep walking without stopping. Why? Because he ain't going to force his way inside your house. You got to ask him in. Mm. Mm. We ain't going to preach that today, though. So, so, so they ask him in. They ask him in. He breaks bread. And when he broke the bread, it says that he was revealed. You got that scripture for me, Leah, at, at the bottom there? Nope, nope, nope. Give me Luke. Um, Luke, it should be at the very bottom, like Luke 26, 31, 30, something like that. Yes, 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 yes. 24, 31. It's not even Luke 26. What am I doing? All right. So then their eyes were opened after he broke the bread and they recognized him. It doesn't tell us why. People give you all kinds of reasons. Let the scriptures speak for themselves. It just says they recognized him. God maybe revealed it. Maybe they saw the, the holes in his hands. I don't know. I'm not going to add anything that the Bible doesn't tell me exactly. It just says they recognized him. How they recognized him? I don't know. They recognized him. That's all that matters, right? So they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. So as soon as they see, oh, it's Jesus, he's gone. Like, whoa, right? But then look at this. Look what they said. This is, the, this is so important. This is how I want to close this. Keep going. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? Look at this. While he was explaining the scriptures to us. In other words, long before they recognized the Messiah, they recognized the message. The message restored their hope. They didn't even realize Jesus was walking with them the same way that some of you in the things that you're going through, you don't realize that Jesus is with you. You ever read Footprints in the Sand? And why is there only... One pair of footprints. Where were you? You said you'd never leave me. These are the hardest times of my life. And he said, I was carrying you. You didn't even realize it. You didn't even recognize it. You couldn't feel it. So before they could even realize that the Messiah, the living hope, was walking with them, the hope was being restored because of the message that was being taught to them. Brothers and sisters, I pray that that's all we do here at Church on the Rock is teach you a message that will bring and restore your hope in times 
of despair, times of defeat, times of destruction. I pray that you will surrender to the scriptures. I pray that you will continue to look at it for yourself so that you don't have a wrong expectation that will destroy you. Christ is risen, okay? And because he's risen doesn't mean life is not going to be hard. Because he's risen doesn't mean you're not going to go through things that you never expected to go through. But because he's risen, we have a living hope that all of it will be used according to God's plan. This is what I want you to rest in, that the living word becomes our living hope. You want comfort? You want peace that surpasses all understanding? Go back to his word. And don't be too hurt to not believe what the scriptures say. So as we get ready to close out, I want you to think about that. I want you to read the words as you're singing them. This song is called Living Hope. One of my favorite lines in this is that it says, the end is written. It's written. Where? In the Bible. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I hate to spoil the book if you haven't read it before, but Christ has already won. So as you're reading about Paul being destroyed and beaten to death, as you're reading about Stephen being martyred for believing in Christ and dying, as you're reading about how John was left on, on an island by himself, and as you're reading about all these things that are like, we're losing, we're losing. It is because of today that we know we have won when we place our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. So stand up with me and let's sing for that living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the Oh.
Everybody, um, I know um, some of you may have to leave. Could you play for me real quick, Clinton? I, I, mean, I had that music in the background, right? <laughs> um, what an amazing service, right? Like, what an amazing service. When you tie it all together, God is in this place right now. He's, he's here right now. We're, we're about to transition into a baptism. If there are some of you who have to leave um, because of plans or whatever, that is perfectly fine. Nobody's looking at you any type of way. We're not going to bring the kids out for this one. There's no room. There's no room, and I don't want any kid getting lost in the mix of the shuffle, so you will still need to get your kids after the baptism, okay? Um, we're about to do two baptisms, though, and I would like for you, I would like for you to stick around if you can. We're going to pull it right here. But for those of you who are leaving, I do want to say one quick prayer before we baptize so we could bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for all that you have already done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do in the future. Father, thank you for conquering the grave. Thank you for creating salvation for me so that I can walk boldly and proclaim the name of your son, Jesus Christ, here on earth. There are people here today, Father, that you know are struggling like never before. People who are up against temptations and trials and sufferings that we never thought would come our way, Father. And there's, there's times that I, just like them, want to walk. I just want to walk away. I don't. 
I don't want to go through what I'm going through, Father, because I can't see Sunday all the time. But, Father, what I do know is that your son has risen and that he has conquered the grave. And because of that, I echo the words of Paul and say, Oh, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? Because Christ conquered the grave, there is nothing that death or men or sufferings or anything can do to me to pull me apart of and away from your love. Father, I thank you for being our living hope. I thank you for your living word. May we take everything that's taken place this morning and may we actually allow it to guide us and to birth us out as ambassadors for your kingdom. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.